we should let Gary do whatever he thinks he sh- he should do. I think. Pay attention mm. to what she wants. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valuable lesson Lucas needs to learn yeah. now while he's young that neither Gary nor I will ever win a battle against a wife, a girlfriend. Nope. Neither will you, Lucas. So, no, I don't know. Uh, I was just kind of kidding. It was just wishful thinking. But I'm, I know I'm not going to win. I'm old enough to know, Gary, that I, you can't win that battle. Neither can I. That's right. But and Gary, neither can Lucas. But Gary is still an expert on Southeast Ohio football and all things Southeast Ohio sports. And that's what we're going to talk on the show today. We're talking football, Ohio Bobcat football specifically. We're going to talk the NBA Finals, Raptors up 2-1 in the series over the Golden State Warriors. And we're going to talk about if kids should play like Steph Curry. That'll be in the back end of the show. It'll be an interesting discussion. Gary has experience as a basketball coach. Troy, a basketball nerd himself. I think that'll be a lot of fun to see how we should be teaching kids the sport of basketball, especially at the youth level and especially with the way that Steph Curry is playing it. But first, I want to start with the Ohio Bobcats. Athlon Sports, which is actually doing an incredible job. I really want to shout out Athlon Sports. They've done a fantastic job promoting Mid-American Conference football, really doing the research, really watching, really caring about these games. The only other outlet I've seen that's done a better job is Pro Football Focus, and those guys are just so nerdy that it's like they're just doing numbers. They're not writing stories, essentially. And uh, they do write stories down there, but I don't read many yeah. because you got to be subscribed. But Athlon Sports says Ohio will win the MAC East, and I think I think that's right. So I wanted to just get your guys' take on this prediction. They said that Ohio's going to win the MAC East, then they're going to get to the title game. They're going to win that. Frank Solich will be MAC Coach of the Year, and uh, Nathan Rourke will be Player of the Year, as he should have been a year ago. But Athlon Sports saying it will come to fruition. For the first time since 1968, Athlon, Athlon Sports says, whatever their opinion matters, it's a national outlet, they say the Ohio Bobcats are going to end that MAC championship drought. You know, I kind of like that prediction. Uh, when you have an experienced quarterback uh, of the quality that uh, we have here at Ohio University, you know, Rourke can do a lot of things. And uh, he, he's a spontaneous kind of a guy who can take advantage of a situation. Uh, he, he just has good instincts. He has experience now, too, to draw up one. And I think a guy like this can take this team a good ways. Now, I'm, I can't comment on each and every position on that team, but there's some good players on that football team. I think this is a good pick, and maybe this is OU's year. Yeah, Troy, seven starters return on that defense for the Ohio Bobcats. And, and that's a defense that was maligned at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the year, they were one of the better defenses in the MAC. And they have the man, the myth, the legend, Nathan Rourke, who everybody knows I've talked about him a lot on this show before. I, I think this is a solid prediction. I think that they could win the Mid-American Conference. What do you think? Yeah, they'll be without the man, the myth, le- the legend, Jimmy Burrow. Uh, so uh, they, they will be replacing a defensive coordinator. But uh, I, I like the prediction. Just don't do it to me, man. Don't, don't don't fill my head with expectations. Don't don't get me all hyped up because I've I've rode this. Um, I've traveled down this road before. It's just so disappointing. Well, we if traveled it down it last year. We traveled down it the year before. We've traveled down it both years I've been here. Uh, yeah, actually, all three years they lost to Western Michigan in the title game. Ford Field freshman year, then sophomore year they can't figure out a way to beat Akron and Cato Nelson on the road. After they blew out Toledo, the best team in the conference, and then last season they lose by a point to their arch rival Miami. You kidding me? Louis Zervos misses a less than thirty yard field goal, and you miss the MAC championship. You're exactly right, Troy. That would be torture. Yeah, this one though, like uh, this reminds me though of the year that that Tyler Tellison was coming back for his senior year. Though I was really filled with more expectations that year than I was the previous two years. The ones that you mentioned, just based on what they had coming back, quarterback pick to be player of the year. 
all those types of things, and that was an absolute train wreck. And ever since then, you can ask Ryan, every time we do this, we talk about Ohio and we get all hyped, I've always just cautioned myself. Don't don't buy into it. Just just enjoy the season. Enjoy what they do each week and hope for the best in the end. I'm going to try to do that. I, I don't think I will, though, because I'm, I'm pretty pumped, man. I think they are going to be really good. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be fantastic, Gary. Here's the problem. You've got seven starters back on defense. That, I, I think the defense is going to be fine. Much respect to Jimmy Burrow, but I think Ohio's built a good enough system that the defense is going to learn and learn pretty quickly under the new coordinator. It's going to be pretty flawless. I, I think seven starters back, including an NFL-type player in Javon Hagan, as Ryan Boyd joins us in studio now as Troy, the big boss man, decides to step out. But I think the biggest problem with this team, Gary, is going to be that offensive line. You're losing three NFL-type players up front and guys that have a lot of experience, guys that are captains, that's going to be a big loss. Now, that's counteracted by Nathan Rourke being such an elite quarterback. So you kind of have this ebb and flow that you're almost thankful that the year that Nathan Rourke is going to have his most experience in the game is going to be at a highest skill level that you'll see him in a college uniform. That happens to be the year where your offensive line is the worst. So that early in the season, Nathan Rourke can kind of scramble, create plays on his own, play around that offensive line, use the speed of the offense as the offensive line gets its feet into the season. Because one thing we've always seen with these Ohio teams is that every single time they have a position group that is lacking, a position group that is struggling, they always get better by the end of the season. Always get better by the end of the season. Gary. They they do. And uh, and I guess kind of a credit to the, the system. We talked about the system just a minute ago. It's important for a program to have – a, uh, a concept in mind that they can work with. The players learn it even when they're sitting on a bench or standing on the sideline. They begin to understand uh, just what needs to be done to uh, execute a particular play uh, and make a, a season progress the way it should. And as they develop their the finer points of their skills, uh, as the season progresses, then you're absolutely right. They should they should be uh, uh, growing as the season goes along. Uh, you know, it's it's they're going to miss a couple of running backs too. Yep. And uh, so Nathan's going to have to AJ be... A.J. Olette, the greatest runner in program history. Yeah. Uh, uh, you have to really appreciate a guy like him who, uh, you know, he he was a self-made player in so yep. many ways. I really like a guy like that because he worked hard. He got everything, you know, he, he everything he got, he deserved because he worked very, very hard to get there. And I, I, I like a guy like that. He's a great role model. And I think for the younger guys in the program who saw a guy like that uh, progress, they've got, to, they've got to understand, too, that they have an obligation to the team and to themselves to work equally as hard, to be productive as well, and uh, learn some of those things, uh, lessons that, that, uh, yeah, that uh, Olet learned over the period of his career. Ryan Boyd's in here, and I want to get to a more interesting well, not necessarily more interesting. We talk about the team all the time. I want to get to the to the hot button, to the what people might think when, when a team like this gets this much hype. So a combination of things have recently started happening that could indicate a potential future change in Ohio football. One, the athletic director stepped down. That is huge. That is huge for an athletic department and huge for an athletic program. Ryan knows a bunch of people down there. He knows how big of a deal that is. Roles are going to change. Organizationally, they're going to change. There's going to be change in the Ohio Athletic Department. It opens a lot of things up when you change the man at the top. A lot of things up. Also, Frank Solich nearing the end of his contract. And now all 
all the national hype is piling on the Bobcats, more so than it did last year, and that's because of the senior quarterback. And then as a sports analyst, we go ahead and look down the conference. Miami, quarterback problem. Chuck Martin can't really win big games. He got lucky against Ohio, let's be honest. Buffalo, no, no Tyree Jackson. They lose their three best players. Kent State kind of got a little bit better, but what, what are they going to bring? And then Northern Illinois on the other side of the conference, what do they have? Toledo might be the best option. Jason Candle seems like they have a good squad, but there's no big threat in this conference. Ohio seems like they're the best team. They have the best player in the conference. They have the most experienced coaching staff. So my question for you is, with a new athletic director in there, and since there hasn't been a MAC championship one since 1968, if the Bobcats fail to make the MAC championship game, because you make it there, you lose a close game, I can, I don't think I, I think it's irrational for me to ask the question I'm about to ask if they got to the MAC championship game. But if they fail to get to the MAC championship game, Ryan, is Frank Solich's job in jeopardy? Uh, no, I, I don't think so at all. Um, you know, I, you're right, Lucas. The point you made about the athletic director is is a great one, and it's well taken. It, you know, it's it's a time of transition for Ohio University athletics, and it comes, you know, right on the, you know, shortly after the the hiring of a new head coach yep. in the the basketball program. Um, you know, and and, and it's. You know, un- undoubtedly, the next six or so months are going to be critically important. I've talked to my contacts inside the athletic department, and uh, the the goal is that Ohio is going to have a good idea of what comes next at some point during the football season. Uh, who knows, though? Yeah. You know, it's it's a national search, and uh, a lot of different things can happen during the course of that. And I think you have to ask yourself, you know, is Ohio going to find a young person that is very early in their career, kind of like they might in a coaching search, you know, where you're trying to get the young up-and-comer excited about what's to come, uh, but you may only have them a few years, or are you looking at uh, a Frank Solich type, where it's someone that's been in the business, been an, an athletic director for a long time? I don't know, but whoever they hire, they're going to have to find somebody that, that is comfortable with what's currently in place because I, I, I tell you this, and it, it doesn't hold true across all sports. Don't don't get me wrong; it's not it's not every sport. But to your point about football, I work with this population every day. My job is to work with alumni all over the country, and I'm telling you, Lucas, the the population that is you know Gary's age up to I don't know 30s somewhere in that range. They have never seen a football program that is as successful as it is right now. And, th- and that's regardless of winning a MAC title or not. And don't get me wrong, Frank, his entire staff, everybody on the team understands that the expectation is what it is. That if they don't win the MAC, turn- uh, MAC championship this year, it-, it will not be the season they want it to be. But, but the idea, and-, and it's a fair question, but the idea that he'd be on a hot seat, um, that would not sit well with, with the average the majority in the Bobcat community, the the major donors, I work with these people that are major contributors now, that's, to Those athletics. are the names that matter. I mean, we can toss out the, the message boards on Bobcat Attack and all those things. Those are the names that matter. That's you correct. You talk to those yeah. people, the ones that donate to the athletic program. Right. If those fall off of favor of Solich a little bit, even if they start saying what we started to hear about Saul Phillips, which is, yeah, he's a great guy, but if you hear, yeah, he's a great guy, but... That gives the athletic director credence to make a decision based on success. Because I think, I would not fire Frank Solich. Why? Because I think he's the most underpaid coach in college football. I think that man could be making a lot of money elsewhere. And I think that he's willing to stay here. He's built a great program. He's got just the recruiting. It's all there. There's no reason to take it apart. You're not Ohio State. You're not going to get a great hire. I, I don't think there's any reason to take it apart. But if a new athletic director comes in, 
feels like the program has a higher ceiling. Another MAC championship failure. Another stagnation. He's nearing age 80. I, I, I can see how that change could happen. I can see the scenario come next February. We're talking about Ohio finding a new football coach. Another scenario I could see, Ryan. Let me toss this one out. Sure. Ohio does win the MAC championship, and Frank Solich says, "I'm done. That's it. That's it for me." And Tim Albin is the new head coach of Ohio football. I think that's possible, too. So that scenario is much more likely than the first. Um, and, and I hope that that's the case. You know, I hope Me, too. That, yeah, I, hope, I really do. I hope that Ohio has that problem, right? And, and by problem, I mean that they have to replace Frank. They have to decide if they're going to do it internally. I, I hope that that's the problem. Um, but, but again, Lucas, I, I really believe that there is no scenario, I, I believe, and this is an opinion, but I work really closely with these people, I don't believe there's a scenario where Frank gets fired. I don't think that scenario exists. Now, there could be, if it went poor enough, if it went poor enough, there could be a scenario where there's a forced retirement, right? Because Frank's not taking another job. His career, this is the end of the road. So there could be a scenario, because I think right now, everybody knows, and I I know Frank personally, and I know this. He wants to win a MAC championship. Oh, I know that, that too. That, yeah. That's all that he really wants. Of course, if if they could go undefeated and go play in a big bowl game, I mean, he, of course he wants all of that. But at the end of the day, what he's missing here at Ohio is the MAC championship. So that's what he wants. And, and I don't think I don't think he'll leave until he gets it, or until he is just physically in, incapable. Incapable, right? Yes. And, and he made a joke the other day. I was with him the other day, uh, not like one on one, but it was me and a handful of people with, with Frank. And he made the joke. He said, some days, coaching a bunch of college kids makes him feel like the youngest guy in the world. He said, other days, it truly makes me feel a lot older than I am, which is crazy because he's in his 70s, right? And he said, here's the thing. Number one, we have goals. We want to meet those goals. But number two, if there becomes a day when every one of my days, if there, be, so if there becomes a season, let's say, where every one of his days is him feeling like he can't relate to players, he can't get the most out of them, he can't keep up with them, he will call it quits. Yeah. So, so to your point, if they don't make a bowl game, if they have some really bad losses, if, if something really goes well, wrong yeah, this mean, year... Those. Yeah, right. I mean, if We're something, just assuming that they're going to keep falling just short. I know, I know. I'm just saying, if something really goes wrong, I think I could see a scenario where a new athletic director takes that as an opportunity to transition one way or another, but I, I really think it would take a lot. I mean, Frank has, and, and you and I are both too young to remember the days, but I mean, this used to be a program, I, I talk to alums all the time that say, yeah, in my in my four years, we won four games, you know? So, it's just, you're hard-pressed to, to do anything with Frank until he's ready, because even, even with the letdowns, this program is on a different planet than it used to be on. Yeah, without a doubt. And he deserves all credit for that. And I, I think it's just a valid question. I think that we're looking at a scenario where it's definitely possible. It's about who they hire as the athletic director. Also, the president of the university is new, to, new as well. This isn't Roderick McDavid. This isn't the crew that came in when Frank Solage was hired. There is no, there's not necessarily an emotional attachment from those at the top of the Ohio decision-making ladder to Frank Solich. So if it becomes to a point where they're just it's not meeting the goals, where is the goal of MAC title? I mean, we built you an academic center. We built you Walter Fieldhouse. Where are the championships? Where is the money from the championships? I, I can see a new athletic director thinking that the program can take another step in trying to make a young, youthful hire or change what's been going on Ohio altogether. The best way for them to avoid that, though, guys... Win the MAC title. That's right. Just win the yeah. MAC title. Take care of business. They've been the best team in this conference 
for the last two years. No doubt. They've been well, the best team in this conference. And the thing that has saved them, Lucas, um, is the bowl performance as well. Um, again, everybody knows that the goal is to win the MAC championship, but it does help every year with, with the, the population we're talking about. Donors, athletic director, so on and so forth. It helps whenever you come up short, but then you go to the bowl game and you beat you know, you beat UAB by 40 in the Bahamas, and then this year you shut out San Diego State in Dallas. That that has played its role as well. I know it's not the same as a MAC championship, but it has played its role for sure yeah. in in studying any of that that controversy. Well, I really wish that there was a better postseason system. <laughs> excuse me that that earned more respect, like because that that would be much better, I think, for France. So if there was an FCS type format for the Group of Five schools, and Ohio was just racking up semifinal appearances, that's awesome. Well, and think about last year. Frank says this all the time, and he means it. There, there were few teams in the country, not not group of five. There were few teams in the country playing as well as Ohio at the end of the season. If you look at what they did to Buffalo, what they did, uh, I think it was Akron who they blew out, and then Western the, Michigan, and Western Kalamazoo. Michigan, and then the bowl game. You know, you set aside the Miami performance. Every other game they played the rest of the way yeah, was a dumb. literal domination. You defensively, know, so. offensively, every position group. I mean, it was truly they were off the field by halftime. Gary, we're going to have to run to a break. Okay, but do you think this team's going to win the MAC championship? Do you, like yes or no? What do you think? Oh, I'll say yes. Yes, and, but I, I can I can qualify it if you want. Well, maybe to... when you leave and go to Cincy, maybe that'll be maybe that'll do thing. it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe a sacrifice has to be made here. <laughs> possibly, possibly. All right, we're going to step aside on the sports fan. We'll talk NBA finals when we return. This is 97 WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. Don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Are you looking for new ways to connect with friends without breaking the bank? WellWorks is now offering Fitness for Youth. Personalized classes at your convenience with your friends. At WellWorks, if you want it, we want to help you achieve it. That's why we're offering private group fitness classes at exceptional prices. Let's work together. Grab a group of friends and connect with us to design your unique class. Learn more at ohio.edu slash wellworks. Wellworks is an initiative of the College of Health Sciences and Professions at Ohio University and is open to the community. Did you know that April is Donate Life Month? Lifeline of Ohio, as well as many other partners from around the country, create activities throughout the month of April to educate and encourage people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors, as well as celebrate those who have saved and healed lives through the gift of donation. There are over 117,000 men, women, and children awaiting life-saving organ transplants. And another person is added to that list every 10 minutes. Be the difference. Register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor today by visiting lifelineofohio.org. Click on the Register tab. It's easy and takes less than two minutes. So what can you do to help increase organ, eye, and tissue donation? First, register your decision online at lifelineofohio.org. Then tell your family and friends about your decision to donate life. And finally, ask those friends and family members if they are registered donors. Help Lifeline of Ohio and donate life. Celebrate the gift of life and sight by becoming a donor today. Visit lifelineofohio.org today to register and learn more. Do you have aching feet, heel pain, or ankle problems? Some foot issues just can't be fixed by those expensive shoe stores or with shoe inserts. 
It's important that you find and fix the real problem and not just treat the symptom of foot and ankle pain. A foot exam from a doctor of podiatric medicine who is the medical expert in foot and ankle pain may answer your questions. Our doctors will provide important foot care solutions after doing a complete foot examination that a shoe store just can't do. Podiatric physicians are the most qualified doctors to care for your feet based on their education, training, and experience. The Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association's members are located throughout Ohio and are dedicated to providing the highest quality foot and ankle care. If you suffer from foot, heel, or ankle pain, let us help you find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association so you know you are being treated by the very best. Visit us at associationsadvanceohio.com for a referral today. Siemens Grocery has been offering service, quality, and cleanliness since 1951. At Siemens, the butcher is always in, and the vision of delivering the best continues as they now offer locally raised beef from R.L. Valley Ranch, Athens County. The cattle are raised naturally with no hormones or antibiotics. Try some truly fresh beef right now at Siemens, where you can do a week's worth of shopping in 15 minutes. Stop in today at 305 West Union Street in Athens. Seven WATH ninety seven point one FM. Ryan Boyd, Gary Baldwin, Lucas Moore, all in studio. And uh, NBA Finals last night. Raptors up two to one. Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant down. Demarcus Cousins hobbled. Andre Iguodala old. Steph Curry though, same man, forty seven points. Raptors though, all five starters, seventeen plus points. Not a single player shoots under fifty percent. You kidding me? And the Raptors get a victory on the road in Oracle. Actually, the last game that Golden State lost in the NBA Finals in Golden State, Game 7, 2016. LeBron James blocked Kyrie Irving's shot. So, wild, wild circumstances. Raptors up 2-1 in the series now. Will Clay Thompson play tomorrow night? All those questions on the line. But, Gary, what have been your thoughts about this series so far? Raptors now with a 2-1 advantage over the Warriors, who are looking to 3 P. You know, this one is interesting from the point of view of, of uh, who's able to play. And if you're ever going to take down uh, Golden State, this is the time to do it when, they're, when they have some injuries, key injuries at that. Uh, but I thought when, when Clay Thompson went down, the inability to have a, a guy stand out outside the, the three-point line waiting to receive a ball and take a quality shot just wasn't there. Yeah. And if Curry hadn't had the big night he had, it would have been a really ugly night for the Warriors. Uh, so they've got to get some guys back on the floor that can play. And I don't know whether uh, uh, Durant's going to be able to play or not. But uh, if they don't get him back, I, you know, things the, the momentum is shifting, I think, then to the Raptors that uh, if they can seize the moment, you know, they, they have a chance. Yeah, I, I think, Ryan, I think that the Raptors do have a moment to seize. Now, will the Warrior have the Warriors tricked us one last time? And are they going to make that one last run at the... What I think is probably the end of this dynasty. I mean, I, the way they're falling apart on this run, even if Kevin Durant does come back, it's it's a really, really tough ask for them to go out and do this all again when they're barely making it through this run. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So I, I have a few thoughts on the series. I think, number one, the question for Toronto, and this goes to what you were just saying, Lucas, is, and I heard this on sports radio earlier today, it's, it's a question of if they have learned 
from their miscue in Game 2 because they had an opportunity to take a stranglehold on the series Game 2 in Toronto after a very impressive Game 1. And frankly, they came out flat. And it was as if they were happy to have had the win that they had. So do they have the killer instinct in Game 4 knowing that they've got a major advantage in this series? So that that's number one, and I'm intrigued by that. Number two, I have to, to be honest, I, I'm bored by the series, which is weird to say because I... I am not a Golden State fan, and I don't want them to win the series, but I'm bored by the fact that the only way that Golden State's going to lose is because they don't have anybody to play. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And that leads to number three. This is, if nothing else, at the very least, this is a statement on on what it means to be a league of super teams. Um, not saying it's good or bad, perhaps, because the super teams seem to win it every year, but it, it does go to show you that when... Two of your major guys, you know, two of your big three or maybe big four, if you include Draymond Green, when when those guys are not at full health, there's not a whole lot coming off the bench. No. You know, you mentioned the age problems, the you know the inconsistency with scoring, especially against a great defense like Toronto. I I still have no doubt that a healthy Golden State beats Toronto. No doubt in my mind. But but this is a testament or a statement to if you're willing to go all in on three guys, four guys. Uh, the rest of your roster is probably a little bare bones, um, so that that's been at least a little bit fascinating for me. But th- those are the three three things I've really been looking at. You know what this makes me think, man, LeBron, if he would have just stayed, I mean, come on, it would have been one more year because LeBron with the Cavs, I don't care who you bring back, LeBron, Kevin Love, and and five just like people out there probably could be Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors. And I know how good the Raptors are, and I know everybody be like, oh no, come on, remember what LeBron has done to the Raptors. That would have been a wash. I think LeBron would have taken care of that series. I think he would have made the NBA Finals again. And then maybe he could have beat this version of the Warriors, possibly. But that's a conversation for a year ago, honestly. LeBron has completely moved on. But how impressed were you by Steph Curry, guys? Because Steph Curry, 47 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 6'3", by the way. And uh, he did it on 6 threes, which isn't that many. But he was just incredible. 47 points taking wild shots, making wild shots, stepped up with confidence. It's one of the greatest NBA Finals performances of all time when you look at the statistics, and it's his best playoff performance of career other than the fact that they lost the game. You know, we're asking a lot of a guy to go out and repeat something like that, assuming the other two uh, fellows are not ready to go. I just think it's you can't ask a six foot three guy uh, to be able to go off and, and, and do what he's doing. And some of those shots, those wild shots you talk about, you know, they may not fall as easily once you start to wear down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that when you're throwing a down deep threes or deep twos even, uh, it, take, it takes some energy to do that. And if you get worn down and beat around a little bit, it makes a, it makes a difference out there. So I, they've got to find somebody that's able to compliment him in some meaningful way to be able to, uh, to overcome that. Having said that, though, I... The one of the, to me, the one of the most intriguing things about this matchup is we're going to find out just how good and how dominant a player Kawhi Leonard really is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I know they're trying to hype him into, okay, he's another LeBron or he's another Kobe or something like this. Uh, I'm not buying that. But is an opportunity for him to be able to make that kind of statement if he can lead this team into something. Yeah. I mean, he's got to, he's got to be able to, to, to take control well, of the game and dominate it, uh, like, uh, like a Kobe or a, or a LeBron well, yeah. or somebody like that can do. I, I think that a lot of people would say LeBron, in these circumstances, would never lose this series. 
under yeah. these circumstances, yeah. under yeah. under exactly what he's that. facing. So I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard, if he wins this series, he's immediately mentioned with names like LeBron James. But I think he, if he doesn't win this series, he'll never be mentioned among those names because there are so many Warriors down. I mean, they're all down. Yeah, right. They're all down out for the count, and this is their fifth straight time trying this thing. Right? That's a that's lot right. of games. That's a whole season and another playoff run. Already, on top of it. It's about 20 playoff games each run, five years. Do the yeah. math, 100 games. That's a lot of games. That's almost, that's insane, the amount of extra games they've played. And it just makes it, it makes it more impressive when I see Steph Curry go out there and, and drop 47. And I love Steph Curry. I think he needs to be mentioned among the top 10 players all time, yeah. Ryan, because the what he's able to do, no other player in the history of the NBA has been able to score the way that he scores at the efficiency that he scores. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he is as unique of a player as we've ever had. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that he's one of the biggest reasons why the three-point line is what it is in, in any level of basketball now. Um, they moved it back in college. They did. They did, yeah, which uh, is fascinating. If you're someone that follows scoring uh, and three-point shooting percentages uh, back in 2009, I think it was, they last moved it back. Uh, three-point shooting percentages went way down that next season. Um, but anyways, that's that's a side story, I guess. But, um, you know, yeah, Steph, he's amazing. Uh, he deserves all the positive press that he gets. He's a good guy, at least it seems. Um, I'll say this, though. As amazing as the 47 points were, really it, it, it fits directly into what Toronto wants to happen. Not, maybe not 47 points, yeah. but they're, they're comfortable with, with Steph getting his to a point because they understand that right now – Especially with Clay out. If Clay's out, I I don't know how Golden State wins a game if Toronto defends the way they did, right? Because they they know Curry can't beat them by themselves. It or just, shoots the way they did. They should have made seventeen threes. Correct. Yeah. So it it just it's an amazing performance. I take nothing away from Curry. I'm not saying they let him score. Of course they don't. But they'll take big nights from yeah. Curry with the way the team is currently built. Because they don't think Toronto doesn't believe they're going to lose the series just by Curry having big nights, if that if that makes sense. Um, now, if Clay comes back, he's expected back for Game Four. If they can somehow get Durant back, although he's now out for Game Four, um, that that changes the dynamic. But right now, Curry's amazing. He should get consideration for MVP, even though he'll never win it because his team won't win it. But he should still get consideration. But I, I think Toronto, as a team, is still very, very happy with the way it's playing out. So, are you you're, are you counting the Warriors out? I, I'm not. I'm not out. I'm, oh, here, here's what I'll say. I'm out on the Warriors if Durant doesn't come back. Warriors lose this series if he doesn't come back. I don't care if Clay comes back; they're going to lose the series. If if Durant comes back, um, I. I would be willing to make a claim on this show, even down 3-1, if they lose two in a row at home, which is hard to believe. But if they do, down 3-1, if a a functioning Durant, right, if he comes out and plays 15 minutes and doesn't look like himself, that's different. If a functioning Durant comes back, even if the Warriors are down 3-1, they will win three straight and win the series. I mean, that would be legend stuff. That would be legend stuff. And I think Kevin Durant, some small part of him, really hopes that happens. Right. Right, because that would be a legacy builder. I mean, he would immediately catapult into the top ten all time, and there wouldn't really be an argument. And then all it would take is, what, another season like this, maybe even another city? I mean, honestly, if he came back like that, you're kind of staring down the line. You're like, who's this guy not better than in NBA history? Honestly. Like, you probably come up with a list about eight or nine. 
But it won't be long before he starts jumping guys right up into that top five because no other basketball player in the history of the sport has is honestly as as good at basketball in terms of raw scoring than Durant. It's because no other person has been built like Durant is built. He's got length, speed, agility, and a vertical. It's just a perfect basketball body. It's a perfect basketball frame. It's a perfect release. It's a high release at the top of his jump. It is impossible to block. It is impossible to stop, and he can get to every spot on the floor and be an efficient shooter from every single spot. Here's a fascinating question for you guys, and and it's hard to quantify, and I realize that, but it's sports radio, so why not ask it? If we're going inch for inch, so we're, we're factoring in the size of a player, could Durant make a case for being the greatest shooter in NBA history? Wait, so like, and what I mean, I guess, do is, they get do they get bonus points for being taller? Yeah, like just, harder? and what I and that's why it's hard to quantify. But I just mean like in, in the in the thought process of your typical understanding of the league, right? A seven foot guy is not a shooter. So like Dirk Nowitzki would get bonus points too. Well, what, what, you know, can I but, ask you this? Yeah. what is a shooter? Is a shooter a guy? What do you mean by a shooter? Is it a guy that can get his shot off, and then who is the most? Who's the best at getting their shot off and making their shot, or? Who is the best shooter, as in, you stand on the wing, you're open, who's the guy that I can rely on the most to hit that shot? That's a good question. Yeah, so because I would you go... Because if you say shooter, guys that stand, now you're bringing in a lot of guys who weren't yeah. that great of players, and they just kind of stood in the yeah. corner and made threes. Sure, I'm with you. Yeah, so not not as much catch and shoot, but guys that create create their own jump shot from... doesn't have to be from three. Um, you know, because like LeBron... He creates his own shot, but but half the time it's to the bucket, right? Yeah. And I and I understand Durant does that a little bit too, but I don't I don't know that anybody ever of his size has been able to shoot over top of people from anywhere and hit it so consistently. And some say, well, that's because he's so tall; he doesn't have the hand in his face. But I'm just saying, if you think inch for inch, like there's been nobody of that height that to me just doesn't feel like that explosive of a scorer from a jump-shooting position, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense, and he can get a shot off. And Steph is just... I think it's more impressive because Steph is 6'3". Yeah. Right? I hear you. He just... He had to work... He didn't have to work harder. Kevin Durant, to be as good as he did, had to work on his jumper all the time. But, But the bottom line with Steph is he had to be more creative. Let's put it that way. Kevin Durant says... When Kevin Durant says, how am I going to score in a basketball game? He asks himself this question before he practices. He says, all I need to do is get to the spot because nobody's going to block me. So if I can get to the spot, get off my feet, get my get the ball at the highest release point, I'm going to get that shot off. So this is why he's been able to be so efficient from so many spots. He doesn't have to practice for a guy potentially blocking a shot. That's a whole different element of shooting that he's never really had to prepare for. So all he's been all he has to do in the gym is go spot to spot to spot to spot to spot. Doesn't even need a ghost defender, and he just pulls up as high as he can from each spot, and he'll get better at it. Steph Curry, he's got to have a little shimmy, a little shake, a pump fake, a lean of the right shoulder, shooting off balance, shooting off one foot, going in the lane, high floaters. So I think I actually give Steph Curry more credit because he can score in such a myriad of ways to where if you put Steph Curry and Kevin Durant's body, that really would be the greatest basketball player of all time. Right? So I, I, I think Steph Curry's the greatest shooter ever. I think that, but the fact, the fact, what's mind-blowing here, Ryan, before we get to break, and Gary, okay. the fact that we are having a debate about whether Kevin Durant or Steph Curry are the greatest shooters ever, and they're both on the same, same team, team at the same time. Yeah. yeah, That's insane. That's how good this dynasty is. 
It's incredible. I, I really hope they pull it off. I, I, I hope they pull it off. Because I want Kevin Durant to leave. I want the dynasty to happen. Three-peat. Warriors, great five-year stretch. They'll fall off next year. Draymond will have some wild stories in the offseason. <laughs> so the team will fall apart. Kerr will take another job and prove he's a great coach. That's what's all going to happen. When you have a guy that, of Durant's size with the agility he has, um, you know, just to answer Ryan's uh, uh, question here, I can't really think of anybody that, that had that kind of ability uh, game in and get out. You you can have guys that had great individual ball games from time to time and they had size and all that sort of thing. But to be able to to take the ball out in the middle of the floor, either to dish it, uh, pull up and shoot a. Well, Gary, a three- how about how does he compare to guys that you really watched growing up, like Pistol Pete Maravich or Larry Bird or those yeah. legendary shooters? How does he compare to them? Very favorably, in my opinion. Uh, Bird had that intensity uh, about him that made him a very interesting ball player. Pete Maravich, with all, he was he had the kind of flash that just and and agility uh, and and ability to no matter where he was at he could get a shot off. He was he was a remarkable guy, fun to watch. He he, he looked like he was falling apart. You, know, you watch him go down the floor yeah. and uh, and those floppy socks and that kind of thing. But boy, he had to build it when he was on. I mean, he was really, yeah. really tough, and there was nobody to cover the guy. No, uh, I saw him score, I think sixty some points one time in a in a game against Kentucky. They had no, and it was a good Kentucky team. We're talking about a quality team, or not not a bunch of smucks. And uh, he still threw down about uh, I don't know sixty some points. I think. Wow, it's awesome how many people have been great at this game. But Kevin Durant seems like a cheat code, just a genetic and then work ethic all combined into one just basketball specimen. Yeah. He's like Kareem that could shoot threes and dribble right? yeah. really well. Right. Imagine that. And Kareem led the led his all-time NBA leader in scoring. Yeah. I, I would say in terms of versatility that uh, Magic Johnson would, would, would ought to be mentioned in the same breath. I remember when, uh, I can't recall who it was, was injured, but they moved uh, him from point guard into center uh, in the... Uh, uh, in the finals against uh, Boston, he scored forty points. It's incredible, and and he he did it with ease. He could have scored fifty, I believe. There, I mean, he's he's just a kind of guy that's so athletic and so instinctive and knowledgeable about the game that he could. No matter where you put the guy, he's going to be successful. There's so few guys in the history of that's sports right. that you can say can transfer positions like that or roles like that and still succeed. We're going to have to go ahead and step aside, head to a break. When we come back, we're going to ask a very interesting question to end the show. Steph Curry, we just ranted and raved about him, but should kids be playing like Steph Curry plays? Find out after the break. This is the Sports Fan 97 WATA. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. Don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Looking for a cold beer and a place to cool off? Come take a visit to Mel's Roadhouse, where all are welcome any day of the week. Stop in, kick your feet up, and relax with buckets of beer, a game of pool, and great people. Speaking of pool, try your luck against the other pool sharks in town at the weekly pool tournaments. Or if whaling out of tune is more your game, Mel's even has karaoke nights. Head out to Old 550 for Mel's Roadhouse, a go-to good time. 
The butcher is still in at Siemens Grocery, and they now offer locally grown beef from RL Valley Ranch here in Athens County. The cattle are free to roam the hillsides and graze on fresh green pastures with no hormones or antibiotics. The meat is all cut at Siemens, and they have the hard-to-find cuts like brisket and flank steak. And if you have a special order, just call ahead. Serving the community since 1951, Siemens Grocery and Marathon on 305 West Union Street in Athens. Are you looking for new ways to connect with friends without breaking the bank? WellWorks is now offering Fitness for You. Personalized classes at your convenience with your friends. At WellWorks, if you want it, we want to help you achieve it. That's why we're offering private group fitness classes at exceptional prices. Let's work together. Grab a group of friends and connect with us to design your unique class. Learn more at ohio.edu slash wellworks. Wellworks is an initiative of the College of Health Sciences and Professions at Ohio University and is open to the community. Did you know that April is Donate Life Month? Lifeline of Ohio, as well as many other partners from around the country, create activities throughout the month of April to educate and encourage people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors, as well as celebrate those who have saved and healed lives through the gift of donation. There are over 117,000 men, women, and children awaiting life-saving organ transplants, and another person is added to that list every 10 minutes. Be the difference. Register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor today by visiting lifelineofohio.org. Click on the Register tab. It's easy and takes less than two minutes. So what can you do to help increase organ, eye, and tissue donation? First, register your decision online at lifelineofohio.org. Then tell your family and friends about your decision to donate life. And finally, ask those friends and family members if they are registered donors. Help Lifeline of Ohio and donate life. Celebrate the gift of life and sight by becoming a donor today. Visit lifelineofohio.org today to register and learn more. a new hip song gary yes it's a, it's it matches kind of the new hip way of playing basketball mad handles and deep threes baby right that's the new style you know you gotta have great great ball handling ability a quick trigger three or be able to dunk like those are the two things that are really really cool right great handles fancy passing deep threes like, those are the things that kids really want to be good at. And those are the things that kids, when they see the NBA, when they see the best basketball players in the world, that's what they see. And, and Steph Curry has been a big influence on that. And we see what Steph Curry does in games, dropping 47 points. And we see what all these guys do that are flashy, that do make flashy passes. They do a lot of good things, and they're very, very good at basketball. But there, there has always been a real argument. Should kids be playing like that? I'm going to go ahead and drop my opinion first. I think that we should be teaching kids to play like Steph Curry in a way, right? I think that Steph Curry's style of play is a really efficient style, and if kids practice three-pointers, they're going to get better at them. I, I do not like that argument that ah, they can't even shoot them right. If you teach them correct form, and they're strong enough to at least get it there, and you teach them the correct form, eventually your kid's going to be a really good three-point shooter if he goes out to the basket and takes a thousand threes every day. So everybody's like, you need to stop practicing the threes. You won't use that in the game. Yeah, they might not use it in the game tomorrow, but they're going to use it in high school. They're going to use it if they're getting recruited. So maybe we should be teaching kids that are six, seven, eight years old the proper form of shooting. And then as soon as they're strong enough to get back to the three-point line, 
give them that proper form. And I know there's some coaches probably at the edge of their seat screaming, it's not proper form if they have to jump that high, and it's you should teach them close to the basket and get their wrist movement. And I just think it's an interesting discussion, Gary, because I think there's arguments on both sides about what should we be teaching kids about how to learn and play the game of basketball. Gary, you were a coach for a long yeah. time. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Well, you're you're right on track when you talk about form. And, in fact, as I look back over the work that I did with, with uh, younger kids, I should emphasize form more than I did. And I believed in it back then. But form, to me, leads to the uh, kind of success – and the ease uh, in which you can transition into uh, the kind of play that you want. Now, if you're talking about some some guys that are just uh, they don't have the uh, the uh, athleticism to do certain things, then uh, you know I, I don't encourage I don't encourage them to try to develop a, a skill in an area that's just, just non-existent. But uh, the three the three shot is 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 so much a part of the game now uh, that if you have a, a, an individual that has that kind of ability. And work on that form in time as they grow into it. You're absolutely yeah. right about it, Luke. I'm I'm with you on that. I I think I think there's one example, and I really am sorry that I'm forgetting his name. Um, he was a thin thin kid that played for Wellston. Do you remember him? And he he was just really good at shooting threes. And I'm really sorry that I'm not remembering yeah. his name. You're talking about the guy who played for Marshall? No, no, no. The guy that played for Wellston in high school. Wellston, okay, okay. In high school. Okay. So he was a liability defensively. They would bring him out there. He'd hit three threes from the corner, and then he'd go to the bench. And he yeah. ended up leading the team in scoring with 18, really yeah. not contribute anywhere else yeah. in the stat sheet. But 18 points off the bench is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. When I was covering NJCAA, the, the national championships for National Junior College, there was a guy out there. I, I'm not kidding you, fellas. He would have been the least athletic in this room if Gary were 20 years younger. He would be the least athletic person in this room, right? He just didn't look like he belonged on a basketball court. He was barely mm-hmm. six foot one. He he just didn't look like he belonged out there. But the kid could shoot. The kid could shoot. So my argument is that the three-point shot is so unbelievably game-changing for the sport of basketball. How Think about how important threes are. If you can hit threes consistently all the time, you can get in the game. You can be a player in the NBA. If you become an incredible three-point shooter and just get athletic enough to be just okay on defense, an NBA team will pick you up. That that will happen if you can shoot good enough from three. So I think there's an argument to be made that for the long-term development of kids, if you do it correctly, don't let them shoot from bad form from three. But if you teach them correctly and then say, hey, the three is a shot we practice, I think that's a good thing for the youth and the development of the game of basketball. I have no problem with it. I think that, uh, you know, when these young kids are looking in, uh, down the road at some of these uh, older players and they try to emulate them, uh, that's not a bad thing because there's some quality players out oh, here. Yeah. And you've, you've got to have a role model somewhere out here and a, and a guy that you want to try to, to uh, emulate in a certain way. If you can do that and do it uh, with the right kind of, uh, of, of skill and form – the the form will dictate in time how successful you're going to yeah. be. And if you're sloppy out there, I don't know when I was a kid, you know, they talked about form. I didn't buy into it as much because it seemed like they're just on my case about something. No, they were not. This it, it is it's so, so doggone it's important. So it's everything. Well, Gary, I'll tell you a story, and then we'll get Ryan's take on this. So I'd always been like I, I always played just non organized basketball, and I'd always just practice, practice, practice. And I could, I always, I hit this ceiling where I just couldn't get better. I couldn't score anymore. And I didn't have a left hand. And I said, I don't need my left hand. Like I play basketball enough. I don't really use it that much. 
And Gary, just one day, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to practice my left hand for two weeks. Two weeks, I only use my left hand. Left hand layups, left hand dribbles, that's it. And then I played a one-on-one game, and I made a a doubled leap as a basketball. Immediately. It just completely opens up the game. It does. So small things like that, Gary's exactly right. Before you even teach your kid to shoot a three, you should teach them to dribble. No matter what size you think they may be. If dribbling is a, an amazing skill to have, you should teach them how to throw a firm chest pass and a firm bounce pass. You teach those three skills and a good defensive positioning, then you start to build around that, and you can have a really good basketball player. If, if you're a coach teaching kids or, or a parent that wants to teach their uh, son or daughter their game of basketball, Ryan, but should they be shooting a lot of threes? Yeah, so I think my, my mentality on it, and this goes somewhat in line with things you all have been talking about, but I, I think... It's easier said than done, but I think the art of teaching a young kid what is and what isn't a good shot. So not just the form side of it, yeah. but helping them understand when it's the right moment to yes. be shooting. Yes. Um, you, you know, and, and if that's from the three-point line, yeah. that, that's just as good, if not better, than the two-point yeah. uh, shot. You know, but, but it goes to Gary's point, too, talking about what certain kids can do and what they can't do. And, and I'm not saying that you tell a kid point blank, you can't do this, you know, because sometimes they'll get taller. Sometimes they'll get more slim. They'll get faster. I mean, it, it, those things happen. But I, I'm yeah, saying... A uh, good point I heard, just yeah. I want to jump in sure, for sure, you because sure. yeah. this is a really good point that I heard. And this is about the uh, youth systems in other countries. Here in America, we coach our youth teams to win youth tournaments especially in the sport of soccer we don't coach them to win like national tournaments or to become professionals or to become college players because they're in settings like athens high school where they want to win the conference that doesn't happen in europe they're just academies they want to develop talent and they want to win but winning isn't the end-all be-all and there isn't a whole community of taxpayers behind them getting mad when they don't win so i feel like that the youth system in america is too much how do we teach these kids so that we can win the next youth tournament, not how do we make them better at basketball at the end of this? Yeah, it's fascinating, and, and I think there's some, some fairness to that for sure. Um, you know, and, and you've seen in soccer how the academy thing has started to build up a little bit yeah. here because of how that's how it is and, uh, in the European system. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. But, yeah, I, I just really feel like there's, there's a mental side to it as well as the physical. And you guys made all those great points about form. Um, well, how about getting kids into the right mental state yes, to be able to yes, be successful? Um, and, and it's not just good shots. It's a lot of different mental components. But I, you know, I, I think that is just as valuable. Teaching breathing techniques when you're about to shoot, you have to have the same breath every time you shoot. It's got to be, uh, it's like for some people it's a breath out, some people hold it, some people it's a breath in, but it's a rhythm, and that rhythm times with your hands, and if you can get that every time, you can really develop a consistent shot, and that's really what you're trying to develop yep. is consistency, is that every time you're letting it go from the same spot with the same rotation, and if you're able to direct it towards the basket, then it's just about your legs, and and all you got to do is figure out power. Once you get it online, good spin, all you got to do is figure out power and power is the easiest thing to figure out in terms of the human brain and like calculating how far do I need to throw this ball. Now that changes when you move into floaters and fadeaways. Man, I'm really sad that the show's coming to an end because I was just about to go on a long rant about floaters and fadeaways. Basketball is a beautiful game. Gary. It is. Absolutely it is a great beautiful. game. And when played well, it's an absolutely beautiful game. Beautiful, beautiful game. Yeah. Beautiful show today, right? Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Gary Baldwin in here, Ryan Boyd. I'm Lucas Moore. Troy Boland was at the top of the show. We'll be back here tomorrow, same place, same time. This has been the Sports Fan on 97 WATH.